Father, right now, just would you agree with me now? Father, in this house, we want to hear from you. We're so excited about the days we live in. And Lord, we know that Australia is asking questions. It's seeking you. It's searching you out. We know, Lord God, that we've, we've got to be a people who carry the reality of Jesus in our life. Paul said, I'm in anguish for Jesus to be perfected in your life. And so the church is becoming a place of glory with people getting most serious about following Jesus. We're getting, we're getting so serious to make a true representation, to have a true representation, not a disfigured representation, but a glorious representation of Jesus through the church. People are going to see it. Your unsaved friends are going to see it. They're going to feel it. They're going to sense it. It's true, real, and powerful. And they're going to sign off on the kingdom. They're coming to Jesus through the, through the Lord. They're, they're, I mean, they're coming through the Father, to the Father, through the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Amen? And so, Lord, we're standing here in this great day, this day of so much going on in the world. But Lord, yes it is, but Lord, we want to be concerned about what you're doing. So Father, right now, from head to toe, I anoint every single person in the house. Anoint their minds, anoint their hearts, anoint their lives to see and hear, Lord, what you have for them in this day, I pray. Father, let them see vision and let them volunteer in that day of power. That's what the Bible says. In the day of power, my people will volunteer themselves. And you can see by how many people serve in this church that we are obviously in a day of power. And I believe and I prophesy that many people shall come under this house and this house shall be filled and it shall brimeth over with souls and people to the point where others will come and there will be no seats. And Father, you will ask us to lengthen our cords, strengthen our stakes, stretch the tent curtains wide, and we will build again. We will build due north, a large auditorium, which represents a day of the greatest harvest that this world's ever seen. Father, include us now, bless us now, anoint us now, and the saints say, Amen. Give it up for Jesus while you sit down. God bless you. Uh, could I have that prop, please? And I'll have the first PowerPoint up. Got some fun stuff. I'm not sure where this is going to go this morning. I'm not sure who I am this morning. I just feel caught up between the third heaven and planet Earth. We're going to have to learn to uh, ride the wave of the anointing. I can see that. But this is the first thing I want to... Uh, bless you with. And I'm trying to help you what days we live in. Now, the key thing is, is that we've got to remember that a future and a hope. My daughter's having a child, and look, this could go on for another couple of hundred years. But a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. I want you guys to stand up there. Could you do that up there? Don't drop that. It belongs to someone else. I've asked to use it. And now just come forward, guys. Now just put, make it straight because if you were, 
If you were interior designers, you'd be sacked almost instantly. <laughs> and, and when you're showing any item, uh, Jason, the hand is thus removed to a, a place where it's... If, if you had a beautiful hand, like some of the ladies have with beautiful varnishings, it wouldn't be so bad. But, but and we'll teach you this all later anyway. It's, these guys are rocking for God, by the way. These, these guys are two of our best young guys, and Jesus, and we love them. Let's have a look at this while you are presented. What? Hang on, hang on. Let's flick that. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Can you change the time now? Because it is up the right way. Can, can, you, can you change that to 5 to 12? Thank you, that person that tried to set it to 5 to 12. But you didn't realize it was up the wrong way. And this, okay, yeah, that's good. This is helping me. And you can see how time is going by. We're coming to a place. Let's bring it to about 5 to 12. And let's say 12 is Jesus' time, the return of Jesus. Let's say Jesus, the second coming, is 12 o'clock. It is actually set to 5 to 12. Uh, driven by eternity, which we are. Making your life count today and forever. How true. This is what I feel is the imperative and is the real strong unction unto this church. From eternity to eternity, the scripture says, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. Nothing's going to shut this down, what God is doing right now. We had, we had breakfast with the Bennyhan Ministries, the Marriott Hotel in Sydney on Friday morning. And we had a, we had a communique that came through almost by satellite from Jerusalem. And Benny looked into the eyes of the senior ministers and said, guys, it's on. It's on for young and old. These are the days that were prophesied. They're coming about. Let's get busy like never before. I'm coming out. I think he's coming out in May. He's asking for volunteers too. He's asking for choir people, people, uh, ushers. He's asking, and if you want to help in that massive crusade at the Entertainment Center, we will give some literature out next week. We're, we're receiving stuff in the mail. And he said to us as the senior ministers, guys, I'm standing in Jerusalem, and can I just tell you this, and I won't go into all the reasoning because I haven't got time, but we're here. We're here in the last days, no doubt. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. God is up to something. He is constantly doing things all the time. Even this week, he has done brilliant things. Benny Hinn, in fact, said he's been doing these crusades for 19 years. And they said last year in a particular meeting, I'm not sure where it was, where? October 19, somewhere in a particular meeting, God just came into the meeting and the glory just filled the place. He, he has said, I, we have never witnessed such a glory manifestation. Do you know what I'm saying? The glory in its true sense is like the weight, the Shekinah glory. It's like the weight of the glory. Some people in a church in Hawaii, the, the back doors of a 2,000-seat auditorium flew open and they say Jesus came and stood at the door. If you look in Acts chapter 1, the, the angels, as Jesus was ascending for the last time, the risen Lord, as was ascending, the angels said, why do you look in the sky? 
Jesus will come back the same way he went. Forty days, Jesus appeared after he was crucified up to the day of Pentecost. Forty days he turned up here, turned up there. 500 people saw him here. Two guys saw him on the road to Emmaus and just constantly like that for 40 days. Jesus, they say, is going to turn up visibly in certain places again. Five, six years ago, Jesse DePlanis tells us in a particular church in Hawaii, Jesus turned up at the back doors of these wooden, these wooden doors flew open and the people in the house fell over in the spirit. Just, just fell over in the Holy Ghost like that. It's the glory, it's the weight of the glory. You can't stand up under it. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. And, is there anything else? Now, now this is eternal life. That now, uh, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. To know Jesus. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. As Luke was saying, that work that was done has released glory. It's ours for the taking. Depends how hungry, how much you want it, how much you ask for it, pray for it, live for it. We are people that live for this glory. We've been propelled for it. We live for this stuff. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have given me to do. And next, is there anything else? So we make it our goal, our vision, our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Thanks. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men what what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. So there's an appeal there. There's an appeal of ministry, yes. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is probably what's propelling me more, more so than ever in the last few years, especially with our theme, faithfulness equals fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Uh, we need to arrest the moment. We need to take hold of our lives and invest it in the kingdom like never before to produce fruit. I think we're up to 58, 59 souls this year alone. Is that right? That is fantastic. Give it up for Jesus, yeah. So that each of us, yeah, really give it up for him. Come on. So that each of us will give an account of himself to God. So that's the account that we give. The souls and the vision that we commit to, the, 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 the work the work, the vision that we commit to, and more. Is there anything more? We need to live above and beyond our present circumstances and be motivated to invest in eternity. Rather, This is not scripture. Rather than temporal things. This is from a great man of God. Rather than temporal things. Live for vision of the harvest. Live for vision of the harvest. And isn't that great? Live above the temporal. Live above the temporal, guys. Live and be motivated to invest into eternity. And more, is there more? Praise God. And that's it. Give these guys a hand. God bless you. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Got some scripture. Hope you got your, your notepads, your Bibles. Let's have a look at this. This is fantastic. We need to come to a place at the end of this message 
where you can understand what the church is trying to do, which is trying to get you to subscribe and commit and support the vision of this house. 250 souls. We're well on the way. Hey, w- there was a particular girl uh, saved, I believe. Haley, was that your friend? And she got saved right here on Friday night in the youth group. Is that a good day? Is that a good day? She'd been to many uh, meetings and she'd been to other crusades and other events and she got saved right here and another girl got saved too on Friday night. So, we, guys, we got to, these youth people are going to overtake us. I mean, come on, we got to get those cards out and we got to get souls saved. Did anyone get anyone saved during the week? Did anyone sow any seed? Let me start there. Anyone sow any seed? That's good, sowing seed. I see that hand, see that hand, sowing seed at the back. Vicky, God bless you. Who's sowing seed? God bless you, Gail. Yes, I see that hand going to the lovely lady be speckled in the second row. <laughs> and uh, praise God. Vision, vision, vision. Say vision. Praise God. One of the things that's motivated us even to be in this house and to build such a house, a house of prayer, house of worship, house for the harvest, uh, was stuff like this. And I, I need to just just reiterate some of these scriptures for you. One of the key things that we understand right now as a reality that's being presented to the church is the harvest. Say harvest. The harvest is before us. Now let me start off with vision. Without vision we perish, meaning that we dwell carelessly. Without vision we aimlessly, we just mosey on through life. You know, we just mosey on through life rather than, wow, this is life. This is exciting. Whoa! Wow! Love it. Love the air. Love the beach. Love this food. Love this life. Love my wife. Love life. Amen? Nothing wrong with loving life. And so when you sniff the roses prophetically, but when you sniff the roses and begin to realize, God's doing something and He wants to use me and flow through me, it's then when you have a decision to live your own life, dancing in the tulips, doing all that you want to do over here. Wow, I love life. So, some people are so enamored with their life. Some people just, wow, these arms, look what they can do. Pop. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, look what they can do. I mean, wow, these legs. Wow, what can I do with these legs? And some people just get so enamored with their body, with their life, that they get caught up in hedonism, living life, self-pleasurable lifestyle, just going for broke. Do it. And you'll find a lot of young people are actually under this spirit right now. I've met people by the age of 25, they're just old people already. Oh, I've been to Spain. I sw- slept on the Mediterranean beaches, man. I, I've been to the Sistine Chapel, man. And, and they're 25. They can tell you, I've bungee jumped, I've been to New York, I've seen the towers where they fell, I've been, I've seen the Titanic uh, uh, sunken on the bottom of the ocean. Uh, But almost, they're spent, they're old, they're worldly in a sense where they've just spent themselves in a worldly way and it hasn't gratified them in a spiritual way because true fulfillment and true, uh, the hunger for life is only filled by following a prophetic revelation of a vision for who you are and what God has for you to do. Is that right? 
Am I speaking right? Am I? Uh... And so you've got to get yourself from here, from this selfish, self-centered position, and you've got to get a balance. You've got to align yourself to God. All your priorities will kick in. All your priorities will start to be worked out. You're seeking the kingdom, seeking God. God doesn't want you to become a hermit, someone on a hill, a monk, and deny you life, living life to the full, but he wants you to be in the fast lane for Jesus, the fast lane for the kingdom. And he says if you do that, and young people, I recommend you do this. This is the way you find a partner. You go gung-ho for God. You run after God, passionate for God, hunger for God, thirst for God. It's called running. Run the race for the prize set before you, Paul said. And as you place your eyes on Jesus and seek the kingdom and his righteousness, if you, and if you're at the right age, if you so see someone to the left or to the right that, see, that suits your fancy, maybe they could be the one for you. We call that being equally yoked. You don't look back. You don't look back for your partner. You look along this front line. There's a whole message there about the eagle, how the eagle mates. The female eagle locks talons with the male eagle up high, as high as they can go, and she free falls. She'll stand up. I don't know. She is looking for a partner. She's an eagle. <laughs> I'm a pursuer, a suitor, we would call. I see her. I, she goes, hang on, hang on. I, I wasn't going to go here. I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. She sees me. She doesn't like have, you know, she thinks I'm cool. But she's not going to marry any Ming-Nong. Nature teaches us that she will go higher. Just go, begin to go higher. And hang on, stay there on that one. Then I will follow. <laughs> no, they do that. Don't they? they don't flap, do they? No, they soar. And then she goes higher. Then I go higher. But then she goes as high as she can. Now, I don't know how high this is. I forget how many thousand feet. But then she goes as high as she can. Now, this male, if he's real keen, and if he can physically, if he thinks it's worth the cost, he will go higher. But then she says to the male eagle, well, we'll see, really see how you... We'll see. <laughs> we'll really see what you're made of. They lock talons. They lock talons. She winks at him, and then she begins to free fall out of the sky. The male eagle cannot flap his wing. He can't because he's got to keep up with it, and they will fall and plummet to the earth like this. And to the point where the male goes, you kidding? <laughs> you kidding? We're getting a bit close. Look, I really do love you, but do we have to do this? <laughs> and, and, and until she's suited until she's satisfied that he's got guts, that he's the real deal, then she will let go and he will... 
Yeah, thanks, Jules. Yeah, if he lets go, yeah. before she lets go, she rejects him. She rejects him, that's right. You, you got it. And she holds on right to the ground. Just before they hit the ground, she lets go. That's right, that's right. He's gone. Now that's got to be for someone. No guts, no glory. So understand that. That in these days, you need good, good partners to, to do this stuff for what God wants to do. One of the things that motivates us, that, by the way, was a lesson for you young people, all right? So, bless you. Without vision, we dwell careless, we perish, we're ungovernable, and life is just scattered, it's all over the place. So, w- one of the things that we realize prophetically, the harvest, the harvest and this great influx of souls which is beckoning us now, is here now. Hence the time and the scriptures and the Benny Hinn speaking to us. He's saying it's on. The great harvest is upon us. It's now time to focus and attune yourself and and align yourself to what God is doing. A distinguishing between light and darkness is coming upon the house of God. There's going to be a distinguishing between the light that's in the house, that's in the church, in your life, and the darkness in the world. Amen? The second thing is the church being glorified. It's the same deal. It's the visible manifestation of Christ's likeness in you and in the church. It's happening now. People are becoming glorified. People are becoming so sanctified, so anointed, that the world's seeing it. And the world, they, they say prophetically, people will just actually walk up to us and say, hey, you're a God person, aren't you? Would you pray for me? And this does happen. I can see Jesus all over you. You're one of those Jesus people, aren't you? You're one of those born-againers. This is my kid. Would you lay hands on him and see them made well? They'll actually see the glory of God on us. This is a statement. Before Jesus comes to be glorified in the earth, he is coming to be glorified in the church. At the end of the age, he would, he will see, we will see the Lord leading his church in ever-increasing displays of glory. Great power from God shall rest upon those who are choosing now to humble themselves before him. The presence of God is being revealed. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, some of the scriptural basis for this is in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60, and I need probably my glasses for this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory, so the word, the key words here are glory. The glory is beginning to be manifested. The presence of God, the tangible presence of the manifested glory of God. People will see it like a, like a mist almost. People will be able to touch it. People will fall under it. And it's the power of God being released unto the church. Again, Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Uh, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, and the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Say glory. Nations will come to you. People are going to be saved. All the nations of the earth are going to be saved. I don't care if that nation is under the sway of a despot, a dictator. That nation is going to have an opportunity to be saved. Can we say amen to that? Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Psalm 110, verse 3. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. 
just like they volunteered for the fires down in Victoria, people are going to volunteer for the glory of God, for the final harvest for the church in the last days. Just like they volunteered for Victoria, they're going to volunteer. The Bible says, here it is again, in Psalms 110 verse 3, your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. From the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. John 17 verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me. The glory is being given to us, as Luke was saying, through the cross of Calvary, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. May they be, be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even unity in the house of God is something that we're feeling is growing more more intensely in the house of God. 2 Thessalonians 2.14, he called you through his gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He called you through the, the gospel. You've got to come through the gospel. You've got to allow, allow him to heal you, You've got to allow it to come into your life and sanctify you, and you've got to allow him to flow out from your life. It's through the gospel that the glory is released. Share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said the day star arises in our hearts. Really, that is a scripture about the prophetic illumination of what God is saying. His light, his word is illuminating your life dispelling the darkness, and in that, the morning star, Christ Jesus, is arising in your hearts. Is that right? Let's give it up for Jesus right there. Paul said, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Galatians 4.19. And of course, Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. I wonder what sort of knowledge that is. Could it be the knowledge of the glory of God? King David's last prayer, may the knowledge of the glory of God cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Because I've read that scripture so many times, but I believe it is knowledge of the glory of God. And of course we know the church has suffered terrible defeat through the ages, but now the church has learnt a lot by revelation of the word and through the apostles and prophets of today, the church is maturing into a Christ-like state. This is fantastic. Daniel 12.4 But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase their knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God. This is a scripture about Daniel who was given this revelation knowledge and then the scroll was rolled up until a time which I believe is now. I don't know if you can actually go to the Benny Hinn Ministry website and see the teacher. I don't know what his name is but Benny Hinn is introducing him and he's talking about time. He's actually about how we look as Westerners, time, how it's linear. And it's not linear, it's a cycle. Things go round in a cycle. And he just brings out argument after argument. And he said, no, God is a God of cycles. 365 days in a year, a week, a day, cycle, cycle. He, uh, Noah was a type of uh, rapture. Noah being taken up by the waters out of the, um, the, 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 the corruption of, of society and the waters came in and, and just wiped out humankind. 
that, that Noah's ark floating above the water was a type of rapture. Do you know what I'm saying? So he, he made, and Benny, Benny Hinn is just godsmacked. Even all that he knows and all that he has learned through the, the years, he in fact himself was standing there, was saying to this guy, where do you get this stuff from? This is so true. And the knowledge is abounding. Why? For the church to be the church. The church used to fall foul or pray to a lot of stuff that we really addressed in the life of this church very earlier on. Spirit of dissension, spirit of Jezebel, spirit of the age, spirit of hedonism, spirit of whatever. Those things came against the church. And the church became a loose collection of people unable to be anointed for service for God. Do you know what I'm saying? We became a loose collection of stones, not a house of Bethel, which is a, a house of worship, a house of unity, of people complementing each other, people volunteering in the day of battle. That's what we've got here. We've probably got so much unity in this house right now that it's probably the reason that we're experiencing the presence of God in this house. Do you know what I mean? As soon as you get that other stuff happening, it displaces the glory, it displaces the anointing. As soon as you get a spirit of, of, of fault-finding, like this Egyptian talk, the Egyptian talk was, was, oh, it was better back there. It was, you know, oh, you know criticizing, fault-finding, you know, speaking like Egyptians. I don't mean literally the Egyptians, but when people were trapped in bondage in Egypt, they had a particular language of fault-finding and complaining. But when God's people were released, they were released to believe in the promised land, Amen and release to believe in all that God wants to do. Spiritual technology right now to get the job done on people's hearts and cities is now available to set the captives free. It's outstanding. Even great men in the past, and we've heard, of course we know anyone who's studied church history, have slipped up because of the lack of understanding or the knowledge of God's plans or the enemy's plans. Do you know what I'm saying? Even the great men of God slipped up because of the lack of knowledge because the Bible says... My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. I and mean, look at all the programs you can watch on TV. Uh, Joyce Meyer, Benny Hinn, uh, Copeland, the great books that we've got in our bookshop. Uh, thank you, Jason. And, and um, all this knowledge is starting to come to us. And the Christian TV you can watch and the revelation knowledge you can get through that and the, and the Bibles you read and the preaching you hear and the good church you attend. There shouldn't be any reason why you cannot hold your head up and become the church and engage the vision. Who's with me on that one? Come on, guys. We've come too far to fall to this stuff that dismantles churches and causes anguish and wear and tear to the house of God. We're getting too smart for that. As soon as you go to say, say something negative, you should straight away say, well, that's not going to be any good. The enemy's going to use that because he can go before the throne of Christ with the Christian's words and accuse the brethren. Unsaved people can't do that. Unsaved people have no privilege to go before the throne of God and accuse your brother and sister. You do, but you have permission to go before the throne room and say, this is what I think about this person. This is what I think about this church. And when you do that, you accuse your brethren. Touch not thy anointed. That's how strong we were with our church in the early days. 
And we had people literally leave because they knew they couldn't get away with the stuff that they used to do in previous churches. And the church, basically in the end, we we had a faithful remnant of about 50, 60 people. And, uh, but do you know what it did? It built the foundation of this church. It built the foundation. Social club couldn't build the foundation of this type of church and what God wants to do through this house. A social club, we had to pray. We were at the coalface with God. We had to live a holy life. We had to pray, pray, pray. We had to live 100% for the cause of Christ. That's what I was trying to say last week with my family. We paid a dear price for this church. And of course the churches get so much smarter now, praise God. God is pouring out his spirit, Acts 2.7, in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all peoples. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. What's the great and glorious day of the Lord? It's when that clock reaches 12. It's when Jesus comes out of the clouds and says, Picky boo, back again. God, my friend was right. He is real. And of course, the vision we have firstly of is him, his kingdom coming and there's preparation for the final harvest and the coming glory. Isaiah 9-7 says, and of the increase of his government. This ain't going to let up, man. Of the increase, it ain't letting up. We're not letting up. The glory ain't letting up. The souls, we're going to get more souls saved, more people healed. The good, what's the Bible says? Let's have a look at it. Isaiah, Isaiah 9-7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Daniel 7.13 says, In my vision at night I look. This is Daniel having a, a vision into the third heaven, in heaven itself. He's having a vision and he sees this. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's Father God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples and nations and men everywhere and language worshipped him. Say worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and is one that will never be destroyed. This is unabated. It's coming across the lands. It's coming across the nation. It's coming across the earth. Even right now, the glory is spreading out. Daniel 7.27 Then the sovereign power and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. Like I said, we're living in the most exciting times in the life of this planet. We're compelled by it. We live by it. We run with it. We have faith for it. We serve it. We give to it. Charles Swindle says, vision is essential for survival. If you don't grab vision and engage it, you could just end up living a mediocre life, a sub-existence of all that God wanted you to live for and be and do. The enthusiasm and the passion that sometimes is expressed through this house can be yours. 
if you engage the vision of this church. Vision is essential for survival. It is spawned by faith, sustained by hope, sparked by imagination and strengthened by enthusiasm. It is greater, it is greater than sight, deeper than a dream, broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast vistas outside the realm of the predictable. This ain't predictable. This ain't safe. It ain't safe and it's what we didn't think was going to happen. But no wonder, no wonder we perish without vision. Amen. Let me read you something about five years old that probably I would have said at the end of that, uh, something like that, six, seven years ago, even the life of this church. For several years, I said, I just got this, just happened to have stumbled on it. And, and so if you would have saw me seven years ago preaching to a few people, 40, 50, 60 people called Crossroads Church, which was our name before we came C3 Tugra, I would have said something like this. For several years, Crossroads has had a faithful, hard-working people to carry the vision through, to pray revival to our land, support unity on the coast, which we did. We used to help unity on the coast, to believe and be involved in the church, becoming the bride of Christ, cleansed and made whole. This was our language seven, seven, eight years ago. Crossroads, we are now at a crossroads. That is, to go forward or shrink back or stay the way we are. I'm speaking in a school hall in Wyom High School, probably. I say we have not come this far to stop and lay hold of the inheritance of owning our own land. Didn't own the land then. We didn't own the land. See that? I don't know when this was. It could have been 2001, 2000. But it says, I say we have not come this far to stop and lay hold of the inheritance and owning our own land and building a place of worship for the future generations who are in fact growing up this church, who are in fact growing up this church. And I'm not sure what it's saying. For the sake of the gospel, we must press on towards the prize before us. That's the sum of it. Basically, what I've just given you then is some of the guts that got us onto this land, got us into this building, and still is our vision. We have not wavered. The, the house of God will be glorified. The harvest is upon us. The church will be the church. There will be a distinguishing, visible, tangible, manifested difference between you, the church, and the darkness and stuff out there. It will be so real that people will come into it and say, my God, God is real. God is real. I want God. I want Jesus. Now I'm going to cut out most of this other stuff that I was going to say, but I do want to bring you to a, a point. Yeah, I, I've got to get to this PowerPoint. Cut that out, and I'll bring you to here. Can I have the next PowerPoint, Tim? God bless you. Prayer of Jabez. Let's have a look at this. Uh, 1 Chronicles 4.10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. You might know this. There was a famous book out by Bruce Wilkinson. Who knows the book? Prayer of Jabez. This is, this is from this, all right? This is something about how you can... What am I talking about? I'm talking about us Christians sharing the load, pulling together, subscribing to and supporting the vision, the vision of this church. I want everyone in this house to stand, not, not stand up, but I want everyone in this house to engage this vision. It's going to help you. It's going to help you get blessed. Without vision, you won't prosper. If you're living just under yourself, listen to me. You want to prosper? You want, you want to prosper? If you live unto yourself, God will not prosper you. You won't, have the, you won't have that smile you need. 
You won't have the finances that you need. You won't have the health that you need. You won't have the anointing that you need. But if you say, Jesus, I'm here for you. I'm here for the vision. I'm here to be blessed, to be a blessing. Genesis 12, verse 2. If you say, I'm here for my friends, for my neighbor. I'm here for the people, for my nation. I'm here to serve you, Lord. Get ready to be blessed out of sight. If you preserve your life, you will lose it, the Bible says. If you preserve your life, those finances, they're mine. Pull them out of here. That, that's mine. Pull that here. That, that's mine. Pull it all into here. It's in here, my backyard of my existence. If you do that, you will lose your zeal for living. You will lose your passion, your enthusiasm, and you will lose the favor of God. Is that all right to say? You've got to carry a cross, and in doing that, is carrying your vision. The prayer of Jabez goes like this, 1 Chronicles 4.10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Now, territory in this uh, portion of Scripture is about influence. It's not so much about land, but it's about influence. How would you like to influence more people? Who's in, who's in the house who wants to... Come on, come on. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request, the prayer of Jabez. He's talking here about, he makes a point, uh, Bruce Wilkinson, about all our gifts, our education, our vocation, our work, our time, our talent, our treasure, all being for the glory of God and working to the end of bringing on his kingdom onto this earth. It's, it's, I guess it's Christian's day job, in a sense. All that we are is what we can live out 24-7. Let's, and, and sometimes, hang on, before you bring that up, some people are reluctant to engage this vision and being what God wants you to be because they don't understand the scripture that says when God comes in you, he wants to flow through you. Some people think, no, just by being associated with God, he might want to use me. No, because God is in you, say in you, or in me, say in me. He wants to flow through you. That's a very big difference rather than I know God's out there and he wants to use me. No, I know God's in here and I know he wants to flow through me. Some people assume, some people assume this, that when they add their life up, that it comes to this. Can, I, can, can you put that up, please, that next PowerPoint? Yeah, did, you, did you have that? Nothing about the equation of um, my abilities and experience and training. We mightn't have it. Just, and my personality. Just try this out. We mightn't have it if we haven't. Just hear this out. My abilities and experience and training and my personality, my appearance and my past the expectation of others and my influence, my assigned territory, is all that I am. Nothing. Okay. Now let's look at this. When God's people came back from captivity and they stood in that mindset and said, my God, look, we've just come back from uh, captivity. How can we rebuild this? And the scripture says, and I'm nearly done, Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's God's spirit through you 
that gets the job done. It's not so much about who you are and your power. It's about the Lord's Spirit in you now beginning to flow. Now, here's the right arithmetic. The right arithmetic would go like this. My willingness and weakness plus God's will and supernatural power equal my expanding territory. That is how you get that influence, that greater influence in your life to be able to flow from it and engage the harvest. Some people are thinking, how could I engage the harvest? How could I help build the church? We're not asking you to do that in the natural. We're asking you to release Christ in you. We're asking you to release Jesus. I'm going to have to trust you on this one because what they're asking me is too much. I don't have this stuff that they want. But Christ in you and his spirit in you flowing through you can get the job done. I said to our team players, 40 people were here Wednesday night, and I spoke to them and I said, in the anointing, you can greet people. In the anointing, you can clean this building. In the anointing, you can smile at people. You can meet people. You can talk to people. In the anointing, in your natural self, you might want to talk to a bunch of people. You might be scared of crowds. But listen, in the anointing and with Christ flowing, not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord, you can come to church. You can worship God. You can give to God. You can love God. And you can engage the harvest. You can engage the vision of this church, which is the harvest. Provision. When God gives us a vision, He gives us provision. There's provision resident within this house. When people connect to the vision of this house, provision starts to flow to you. Gee, you might be here this morning saying, my God, they're, they're believing for thousands. They're believing thousands of souls too, but they're believing for thousands of dollars. How can I help with this? I haven't got a cracker. I haven't got a, anything. What can I do to lend myself to this vision? Tell you what you can do. Believe in the vision. If you connect with the vision, if you stand in that day, if you volunteer yourself in that day of power and say, I think I want to see this place more equipped. When we say to you, connect with the vision, join with the vision, give to the vision, serve the vision, it's in the Spirit. God said to His people, not by power, not by might, not by your own strength, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Let the Holy Ghost grab a hold of you. Let the Spirit of God grab you and anoint you and flow through you. And then as you commit to the vision, guess what happens then? With every vision, there is provision. You will start to flourish. You will start to prosper. When you shrink your life back into a place of self-existence, there's no provision. There's so, no supernatural provision there. It's when, God, I want to connect with this. I want to give to this. But help me, Lord. Help me with what I've got. Here's my two mites. Here's my two bob. Here's my smile. Here's my half a smile. Here's my half a handshake. Here's my four words. Here's my $10. Here's my whatever. 
Give it to God. He will multiply it. And then you shall be blessed to be a blessing. Can I see an amen? Can I get some hands for that? Come on. Come on. Want to be blessed? Connect to the vision. Let's all stand. God bless you as you do.